Welcome to Talking Kotlin. On this episode, I'm sitting down with David Ford and we're talking everything React with Kotlin. Hi, David, and welcome to the show. Hi. So you and I met in person at KotlinConf, which was already two months, three months, two months ago, right? Right. You were there giving a talk on, what was your topic? Um, creating a React application using Kotlin. Okay. Um, specifically the client side of the app. For, for those that are not familiar with React, could you give a, a brief overview of what React is? Yes. Um, React is a framework um, or a library, as some people call it, for creating JavaScript UIs. Um, so it's 100% JavaScript, and it only deals with the UI side of things. And so it kind of competes with Angular and, um, and, and frameworks like that. Um, it's kind of a special niche is it's got this reactive programming model. The term isn't all that descriptive, but it's really unique. There's nothing else like it. So it's totally different from UI frameworks that came before it. So the way the, the, there's kind of like maybe three or four things that make it interesting. Number one is, is that there's no templates. So unlike Angular and, and other technologies, there's no templates. So you don't create like an HTML file and then a JavaScript file. Everything is JavaScript. So what they do instead, they allow you to embed JavaScript. I'm sorry, they allow you to embed HTML tags within your JavaScript. So depending on how you've been taught, some people actually think that's heresy and violating some kind of you know programming rule. But it's actually the key strength of React. So there's no separation of HTML and JavaScript. You can certainly separate things yourself using you know, modules and the organizational constructs that are built into JavaScript. But so that's thing one is that the HTML and the JavaScript are kind of all muddled together. Um, and again, the people who do React think that's a good thing. So let's so, stop there a second, if you don't mind. You say that some yeah. people say that that's bad and some people say that it's okay, right? Uh, right. Are you saying that that's not bad. So the the programming principle of separation of concerns is a kind of a long held um, idea, and it's a good idea. And in in particular, we're talking here about separating UI from business logic, and that is a good idea. There's another concept that some people get confused though, and that would be separating angle braces from curly braces, meaning HTML and JavaScript. That's not the same thing. So if you if you think it's heresy to combine JavaScript and HTML, that's one thing. But separating your concerns, that's really a good thing. And so React makes that super easy. So what with React, you your UI component is basically a function. Um, it's either a JavaScript function, or in our case, it would be a Kotlin function. And so it's um, a function written in Kotlin. So you're not separating languages. You're not separating the the um, curly braces from the angle braces. Um, what you are doing is separating concerns. So you would just use the constructs of Kotlin to separate your concerns. So you would have one function or maybe a set of functions, maybe a, you know, a package that represents your UI, and then you could certainly put your business logic somewhere else. So do you get the, so that's the distinction. Separating business logic from UI is an important and a good best practice, in my opinion, whereas separating the actual angle braces from the curly braces, meaning HTML and JavaScript, or in our case, HTML and Kotlin, that's really not a useful, a useful rule of thumb. 
Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes total sense, and I think that's a fair point. And yeah, I do agree that uh, in many cases there has been this push of always, though, having separated the HTML from the JavaScript from the CSS. I mean, you know, we were brought up, so to speak, being taught this, right? They, they told us, put your HTML one place, put your JavaScript in another place, and put your CSS in another place, and that way you can change things independently. Uh, and what you're saying here is that actually that really doesn't matter because I guess at the end of the day, you're not going to really change things independently as such, are you? Well, that's, that's a great point. So if things are going to be changed independently, then they should be separated. So, for example, um, you know, one of my larger clients is Toyota, and they reskin their UIs, you know, pretty much every year. So separating the UI from the business logic, that's a great idea. But basically, the idea with React is your UI is coded in JavaScript, and that JavaScript um, enables embedded HTML tags. But you're still going to separate your business logic from your UI. It's just that with React, your UI is coded in JavaScript instead of um, separating the HTML out. Okay, so it, it allows you to essentially, so what you're doing is instead of primarily using HTML to represent your UI, what you're doing is using JavaScript to represent your UI and visualizing that by means of HTML by embedding HTML inside the JavaScript, right? Right, right. Okay. But you didn't mention CSS, so CSS is still kept separate? Well, that's a whole separate issue, and that's a kind of a fascinating issue. In React, so this is, again, this is more heresy, depending on whose opinion you're taking, but um, if, well, let me back up and say I've been using tools pre-React. Um, like, for example, I used to use the Google Web Toolkit, GWT, and in there I got into the habit of creating many of my styles as um, inline styles or local, meaning defining them locally. So like with any programming um, language, if there's a variable you need to use only in the current spot, then you make it a local variable. If you need to use it in some, some more context, uh, you know, or in, in more places, you might make it an instance variable or a static variable or a you know, global variable. So the same thing is true with CSS. So I've been for a long time coding my apps to make heavy use of local or inline CSS. And if I need to share CSS, I don't necessarily use a global CSS style sheet. I use the global features of the programming language. So I could use a global variable or maybe pass in something. So in React, it's fairly popular to use what's called uh, CSS in JS. <laughs> so again, that's completely foreign to people coming from other ecosystems, but it's really common in the React community. And I, I really love it because 90% of the CSS you use isn't global. And in fact, having a big giant global style sheet is kind of a nightmare from a maintenance point of view. In fact, you know, people have come up with giant naming conventions just to, to deal with that problem. Yes, so what is uh, CSS in JS? Is it the same idea of emitting CSS inside JavaScript just like you emit HTML inside JavaScript in React? Um, yes. Um, so um, in JavaScript, in, in React, they actually have some, and in Kotlin React, they have some special constructs just for that purpose, to make it easier to define CSS in Kotlin code or in JavaScript code local to the place you're using it, basically right there inside of the function. And remember, in React, a function is a UI component. Okay. So you, 
Yeah, and, and I guess we can go through the whole um, pipeline of how this works. Uh, but but before that, I wanted to touch on one other thing that you said. You you initially said, you know, React is a framework. And then you said, well, okay, it's a library. And I know that there's a lot of controversy around what is a framework versus what is a library. But why are you making that distinction? And, and do you feel that it's different from Angular in that sense? Well, it's funny you mention that. A colleague of mine and I were just having a little debate about that. So when you read comparisons about Angular versus React, a popular thing to say is, well, Angular is a framework and React is a library. But my my buddy Max and I, we, we both think that's kind of hogwash. Um, the distinction is blurry and kind of if you like I kind of define a framework as different from a library like this a fr a library is something you can just use make a few function calls and it really doesn't change the way you're programming it doesn't impose a whole new style of programming on you that's totally not true of react so if if you think of a framework as being kind of prescriptive meaning it it really kind of forces a certain type of programming style on you react is really that so you know, to say that React is a library, I think is is not going to be helpful to people. I know that's a common thing others say, but at least for me and my buddy Max, we think that's going to be less helpful. So I would say React is totally a framework because React isn't just something like, you know, if you look at Google Guava, that's a library. Um, you know, it's, it's a Java library. Uh, so, you know, or Apache Commons, java.lang. Uh, or Apache Commons Lang, those are libraries. You can just use a few functions and they really don't affect the way you code. If you're going to adopt React, your entire universe is going to change. The whole way you code UIs will change. So it's a framework. <laughs> Something I wanted to comment on because I've come often heard the comparison of, you know, a framework is a system where it calls you versus a library, you call it, right? And yeah. oftentimes people say that, you know, exactly what you're talking about, that, well, you know, with a with a library, the, the advantage is that I can replace that library and it won't have a ma major impact on my system. And people say, yeah, React is a library. But in all honesty, I, I don't foresee, and I mean, you can tell me more, you know, because my, my experience with React is very limited, but like you're saying, like you're not going to be able to suddenly say, okay, you know what? I'm just going to pull out React and put in Vue.js, for instance, uh, as as another UI framework. You, you're saying that that's not really viable, right? 100% correct. And, and your point about um, the framework calls you versus you calling the framework, React is totally that. So React is mostly the framework calling you. There's practically no place where you call, well, few places where you call the framework. Mostly it calls you. Okay. So we can agree that it's just a framework, right? <laughs> yeah. I think whoever started that is, um, I don't know. I think that was kind of mis misguided. <laughs> they had vested interests, right? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. They just wanted it to appear lightweight, you know? <laughs> exactly. Uh, okay. So... Now, React obviously comes from the JavaScript community, and there's a lot of people doing web development with React. And and you said that you know Kotlin is very well known for targeting the JVM and targeting Android and, and native. And uh, of course, Kotlin also targets uh, JavaScript, right? Uh, so right. essentially, what you're doing is using the React library, but instead of using JavaScript, you're using Kotlin, which then transpiles to JavaScript, right? 
Correct. Okay. Along with um, the React helper library that, that comes, uh, which is, I'm sorry, with the, there's a Kotlin React helper library that you guys put out that I'm using as well. Okay. So how does that actually work? Yeah, there's a tool that's called, um, so there's really two tools, and they're both from JetBrains. So um, one is called um, JetBrains slash, um, it's, it's Kotlin-Wrappers, so it's a GitHub project, and it's from you guys. And um, it, it's wrappers for libraries other than React, but including React. But but to be honest, it's mostly React. If I were king, I would make that its own separate project and just call it Kotlin React. Um and then you guys have another project on GitHub called Create React Kotlin App. So Create React Kotlin App is a utility, it's a command line tool put out by JetBrains, and it mirrors a existing tool that is put out by Facebook, the makers of React, which is called Create React App. So Create React App is a popular command line tool for React, which automates and makes it easy to get started doing a React app. And so Kotlin took that idea and created something very similar and very analogous, and they call it Create React Kotlin App. So all you do is you go to a command line and you say, um, you first have to install it with NPM. So you'd say NPM uh, Create React App, um, and you have to put a dash G in there to make it global. Then all you do is you say Create React Kotlin App, my app. And boom, it creates an entire starter app using the Kotlin React wrappers that I referred to a little bit ago and sets it all up as a nice project, and then boom, you just start modifying that project and you're good to go. So instead of having the React uh, components, well, not the React components, instead of creating the, the whole kind of like template for the application using JavaScript, instead you have Kotlin, right? Right, and it's even more, it's, yes, yes. So it creates the template and it's using based on Kotlin, not JavaScript, right. And then, you said that there's another thing which is like a wrapper uh, around uh, components. Are these components for React? Yes. So there's some packages. There's some packages that um, that are included. And when you create the project using Create React Kotlin app, it doesn't just create a starter app for you that is using Kotlin instead of JavaScript. It creates a Kotlin. It creates a starter app that is using Kotlin and a certain set of um, packages or libraries, and that's specifically those React wrappers I refer to. Okay, so I guess to understand that, I, we first need to draw a picture of what exactly uh, a React component is and, and how it works, right? And you were saying that a React component is essentially a function, like a UI is, is your UI component is a function. So um, there's two types of components, and this is true with JavaScript and with the Kotlin version. There's the simplest kind, which is it's, it's literally a function. So it's a function that takes whatever arguments you want. It can be some ints or some you know objects like a customer object, and it returns HTML. Now, the thing that's interesting is it returns HTML um, not by using string building, but rather by um, using, as you might guess, this is Kotlin, uh, the uh, uh, an HTML DSL, so it's all type safe. You get auto completion, so that's the beauty of it. So it's just a function that takes whatever arguments as input, and then returns some HTML, which you generate using Kotlin's um, HTML DSL, which is embedded in this, uh, which is an integral part of the the React wrappers for Kotlin. 
for the lack of coming up with original ideas, let's let's assume that I want to do a login page, right? And that has a, a username and a password. In a React application, uh, what would be a component there? Would it be the the input for the input box, or would it be the whole page, or would it be just the four label, two labels, and the two input boxes and a submit button, or does it vary on how you want to design it? It it varies on how you want to design it, and in a complex app, the answer would probably be all of the above. So with React, you make little components, which might be just a special button or a special text box that has some special features maybe that are custom to your company. Then you would probably create a component for the login form, um, and then your whole app would be a component. So basically, it's kind of like it's turtles all the way down. It's um, components all the way down. Um, the other thing that's interesting is you'd probably have two components for the login form. Um, and this is where it's a little bit analogous to MVC or maybe your um, your your, your um, Microsoft example. So in in React, you would create typically a a login form. I call them a login for a login um, view form login form view and then a login form container. Actually, if you use the official React terminology, they call them container components and presentation components. So a presentation component literally is usually just a function, and it takes in arguments um, like the login name and the login password, which might be blank blank initially, and maybe some other information, and it simply renders it. So it's truly a pure function. It takes some arguments as input and returns HTML's output. Those are nice because they're super testable. Then you'd create another component, which might be called um, login container. This would be more like the controller in MVC. And it would wrap that component, but it would have some smarts. That component would perhaps um, talk to the database, um, contain your AJAX calls, and that kind of stuff. And that is still um, a function as well? That would be a class. That would so be remember a class. we said there's, right. And so that would be a stateful component. So the first component I described, which is the login view or the login presentation component, that would be stateless and it just is a function. Um, then the one above it would maintain the state. It would have instance variables or, or um, state variables as they're called in React for the login name and the password. But you call them both components, right? One of them is a container, one of them is a, uh, a visual component, you said? Right, right. Okay. So it just happens to be the way React is structured. So it, it maps very cleanly to the MVC world where the the container component would be the controller and the view component would be the, the view. Right. So in the case of me creating a login uh, form, I could create a class that uh, has as what? As properties it has a couple of functions that are defining the different UI components or passes in, because I mean, if you're saying that, you know, my, my UI components are essentially functions, how do I, you know, use those in this class, in this container class? How would that work? Um, oh, good question. So, um, so the first thing is, um, you're, so if you have a, the two types of components, the, the first type, the functional, it's literally just a function that returns HTML. So let's say that function wants to call other functions. Well, here's the beauty. Since most functions in, um, in, in 
since most UI components in React and in React with Kotlin are just functions, the way you use it is literally you just call a function and pass it the inputs. That's the, I would say that right there is the defining, remember I said there's like about three things that really define React and that's number two and that is the amount of ceremony to create a UI component and to use a UI component is minimal, smaller than anything else I've ever used. So the answer to your question is how would I use it? How, in other words, if I had a login form and I wanted to use a couple components from it, it's just you would call a component. You, I'm sorry, you just call a function. So that's it. You just call a function and then the return value of that function gets wrapped into the return value of your larger function. Does that make sense? So the way you compose components is basically the way you compose functions. And then where does, because I'm assuming that two-way data binding doesn't really exist here, does it? <laughs> yes, so that's another defining feature of React. So that's kind of a, maybe could be viewed as a downside of React or an upside depending on your perspective. So they do not have two-way data binding. They have, what they have is really awesome one-way data binding. So. That's a whole thing about how React works. So generally, like I said, you pass in some data into the as function arguments, and then you return HTML. And those those arguments that you pass into the function, that's the data. And embedding that into your React component is the same as just embedding it into a, um, you know, just using those variables. The problem comes with a two-way binding. So Usually the way that works, okay, so now I see why you were talking about passing in functions. So you must have kind of done a little study on React here. So now here's the thing. Let's say you have a, um, a UI that is components inside of components inside of components inside of components. You generally have the outermost component be the guy who's updating state. So the inner components tend to be stateless, simple functions, like I said, pass data in and return HTML. Then as you go up the component hierarchy, then you get to the, the controller component. He is the guy who actually has instance variables and maintains state. He's also the only guy who could change state. So it's a little bit hard to visualize just doing an audio, but so your UI is, let's take a simple UI that's that's not a thousand forms, but let's say you just have a login um, controller, or I'm sorry, a login container component, and below that, the login view component. A simple example of, the, of this login form, you know, the submit button is a function, right? Uh, when, I'm, when I'm creating an input box, right, uh, I can pass in a default value, which I understand I can pass in as a parameter to that function that generates that UI component. But when I hit that submit button, my question is, how do I get the, the value that is entered in the input box and somehow get that from the submit button and pass it in over to this uh, container class, which is the one that's uh, kind of like orchestrating all of this? Okay, so that's, okay, that is where the function passing comes into play. So, so generally speaking, you know, and it's really not that different from in, you know, you came from the Microsoft background, so you're familiar with components that have events, properties, and methods, right? So basically the um, component, the inner component would throw an event and the event would contain whatever data is necessary. And so what would be passed from the container component into the presentation component would be a function pointer. And that function pointer would be the event handler. So basically the functions that get passed from parent to child are not components, 
typically, but they're event handlers. So because the button obviously it belongs to the innermost component, the view. So the button gets clicked and you might have an event handler inside of the view component, but all that usually does is call a function that was passed in as a property. So properties are just, you know, arguments passed into it. So yeah, so basically the inner components tend to be dumb and they take as parameters two things. One, the variables that represent the data you're going to display, which we talked about in the beginning. And two, the thing that you're getting at is function pointers, meaning, you know, functions, which are event handlers. So all the events are handled up near the top of the component tree. But the events are generally triggered lower in the component tree. So your view class takes as an argument a login name and a login password, which is just the data. And the third thing would be an argument called on button click. Then when the button clicks in the inner component, it simply invokes on button click, passing it whatever it wants to pass. Uh, and that thus, that is how the outermost components wind up handling the events that occur on the inner components. Does that make sense? Yeah. <laughs> it's, hard, it's hard to do without a picture. Well, welcome to my um, wonderful world of podcasting where you have to talk about code without actually having anywhere to write on or diagrams. Um, but yeah, more or less, that's clear. Uh, and so then here, coming back to Kotlin and where Kotlin fits in, is you have used Kotlin because you feel that obviously Kotlin provides you with some value over using JavaScript for React. Yes. Um, yeah. So here's the here's the deal on that. P part of it is my preference. I get into debates with my colleagues a lot, but um, I love strong typing. And I know we have TypeScript and we have lots of other, you know, we have flow, we have other technologies to apply typing to JavaScript. But when you combine the efficiency of a strongly typed Kotlin, specifically Kotlin, with the IDE, in my opinion, there's really nothing as productive in that environment. So I get debates about TypeScript versus Kotlin, and they're all kind of valid debates. I kind of think Kotlin is a, is a more productive language than TypeScript. But when you combine, you can't really just talk about Kotlin versus TypeScript. It's really got to be Kotlin plus IntelliJ. So that is just so much more productive than JavaScript. So let me give you an example. So we have an app that we first switch the backside to Kotlin and the front side is JavaScript. The front side is now being gradually moved over to JavaScript, but for like a while it was the front side was JavaScript. So whenever we had, would have new business logic to add, we would always prefer to put it on the server side, regardless of whether it actually made sense from a network back and forth perspective, but just because we didn't want to code in JavaScript. It's just so much nicer to have the refactoring and the IDE completion and IntelliJ telling you that you can replace this for loop with a range operator and blah, 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 and all that awesome stuff. So, so yeah, Kotlin is just so much more efficient than JavaScript. And, and it's also more efficient than JavaScript plus TypeScript. The downside is that Kotlin on the client is super new and you're, you know, the ecosystem isn't quite there for that yet. And one of the things that it, that React has is this thing called JSX, which you mentioned, which is essentially combining JavaScript with HTML, right? Right. And so where does Kotlin fit in? Because Kotlin is combining Kotlin with HTML, so it's no longer called JSX, no? Right. So 
that's the most important question. And so let me try to paint a picture for the audio. I think I can do this. So first of all, for those listening that aren't that familiar, it, here's how it works in JavaScript. You write a function in JavaScript. And like I said, um, React adds angle braces to the JavaScript language. So that's a fundamental part of what React is at the JavaScript level. It just adds it adds angle braces. So you, you could create a function, and then you might say return, open angle brace, h1, close angle brace, hello, and then closing tag. Well, no quotes necessary. The angle braces are part of the language. So that's, that's JSX. Um, and what's neat about that is if you need to do conditional logic, you just use conditional logic, use a JavaScript if statement or a JavaScript ternary operator. If you need to do a loop, you just use JavaScript looping operators or the JavaScript for each function or the JavaScript map function. So you don't need to have template engines that, that reinvent looping and, and conditional logic. All right, so that's the JavaScript. Now in Kotlin, here's how it would look. You create a function and you would say return and you would say h1 open curly enter close curly so that's a function that returns an empty h1 tag and that is also an example of the html dsl that's part of kotlin now let's say i wanted to put some text inside of that the text is a special kind of thing and so they use they overload the plus operator so let me repeat it again. So a Kotlin that returns HTML, a Kotlin function that returns HTML would look like this. You'd say return h1 open curly. Then you'd say um, enter. Then you'd say plus. Then open quote, hello, close quote. And then enter. And then close curly. So the key there is that the h1 is a function that takes as an argument a um a um an anonymous function basically so um but in essence it's essentially similar right it's just slightly different syntax right with the added benefit yeah. that with kotlin you get all of the completion etc yeah yep the I programming mean, model is exactly the same so in both cases it's 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 essentially a dsl it's adding you know special syntax to the language yeah, I mean, to be fair, you know, I mean, for example, with WebStorm, even you could get completion on some of the JSX stuff anyway. Uh, but uh, this is just using some of the stuff around Kotlin. So what happens if I'm assuming that, you know, you can go to the web and download some component of uh, React that someone else has done and plug that into your system? What happens if I want to do that? Can I still do that if I'm using Kotlin with, uh, sorry, React with Kotlin? Um. Sure. It's it's a little bit more involved. If you want to get type um, checking, so obviously one of the whole benefits is if you th use a third-party component, you want all the nice auto-completion and so forth that you get from, from Kotlin. So there's a couple different ways you can do that. One is, so since TypeScript is becoming sort of an industry standard to provide type definitions to JavaScript, Kotlin has a tool that you can use to compile a TypeScript type definition file into a Kotlin interface. So if you do that, then you can use existing UI components that were written for React JavaScript. You can use them from Kotlin and get some of your type safety. And that's that makes sense? definitely typed, right? The, the website where they define, uh, have these definitions? Yes, yeah. yes. Okay, yep. And yeah, I mean, that makes sense. Like reuse the type definition files for TypeScript uh, to do the same thing for Kotlin, right? 
Right. But if I don't want this static typing and uh, you know the Kotlin uh, syntax of it, I could still use directly any React component. Yeah. Yeah, that's the nice thing about Kotlin's JavaScript um, technology. So they they've kind of prioritized um, practicality um, over, say, purity. So if you want to tell Kotlin, hey, for this component, just you know turn off the type checking and I'll deal with it, you can. Now, if you do that a lot, you're kind of right back to the suffering you get with JavaScript. But Kotlin, I think, took, in my opinion, a very pragmatic and smart approach to that. Yeah, we're just trying to enable and, uh, oh, sorry, to embrace the existing ecosystem as much as possible, right? And and provide a, a good interop experience, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so if someone wants to get started with this, uh, where would they go? What's the best way? And let's assume that someone that doesn't know uh, React as much. Could they start with this Kotlin React uh, native app and then just kind of you know, follow the tutorials that are available around React, but just using Kotlin as opposed to the JavaScript? Would, would Is it that similar in that it, you know, it, it would work? You know, yeah, if they, yeah, I don't know of a super easy learning path if they don't know, if they don't already know React. Um, uh, to be honest, I've been getting a lot of requests because I have a, um, I have a uh, uh, Kotlin Udemy video um, for Java programmers, it's called um, uh, Kotlin Quick Start for Java Developers. And I also have some YouTube videos on getting started using JavaScript um, apps in Kotlin. And so because of that, I've been getting a lot of requests to put together a video for doing a React app in Kotlin. And so, you know, something more in depth than the one from the conference. So there's no one place to get started if you don't know React. But if you do know React, definitely what you want to do is just go over to um, it's um, just Google on create React Kotlin app. It's a it's a GitHub website, and that site is pretty straightforward. It tells you what to do. It's literally two steps, and I already kind of gave you the steps. So npm install dash g create React Kotlin app, and then you run create Kotlin app space you know the name of your app, like say my app, and then you basically say um, npm start. And so what? What I didn't mention earlier, Create React App is a little bit more than just creating a, a skeleton starter project. It's that, but it also sets up a debug environment. So what that does when you run npm start um, from within the directory of the app that was created by Create React Colin App, it starts up a little internal web server. It also starts up your browser, and your app will be running on your browser, and you'll see the starter app. But here's what's kind of really cool about this. Um, you now um, flip back. So, so once that's done, so you run, you run create Kotlin app, my app. Then what you do is, um, like I said, you run npm start, and boom, it's running. And it's also running a little lightweight server, and it's opened your browser, and so you can see the app. Now what you do is you open the project that it created in IntelliJ, and you change some of the code. And without doing anything, you just have to basically save. That's literally all you have to do. You don't even have to compile. You just save. Then you flip back to your browser and your changes will be reflected. So you go into that function we created, the one that returned H1 hello, and you change it to goodbye, and you alt-tab back to your browser, and it'll say goodbye. So that is a huge plus that I really kind of glossed that I didn't mention earlier. So Create React Kotlin app doesn't just create a skeleton. 
It also starts your app running in a with a little internal web server and browser. And part of the features of that, or part of the functionality of that is that it includes this auto update feature. So you change the code and well, bam, it automatically regenerates the JavaScript behind the scenes and refreshes the browser for you. So that makes for the most, a really, really productive um, coding environment. It was fantastic having you on the show. Um, and I appreciate you taking the time. And of course, it's also important to mention that, uh, you know, you did give a talk around uh, React and Kotlin at KotlinConf, which the video is available. So we'll be sure to add those to the show notes as well uh, if people want to get started. Uh, but thank you so much for taking the time and coming on, David. Thanks for having me. Great chatting to you. Until next time.